Jesus is alive. That's something worth celebrating not only at Christmas time and Easter, but all year long. Abounding Grace is next. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You When Mary, John, and Peter rushed to the tomb and saw that it was empty, they didn't respond like you might think. We're nearing the end of the Gospel of John as we get back into chapter 20 today on Abounding Grace. We're talking about the resurrection of Christ today, and all of our faith rests on this one event. So to say it's important for us to look at would be an understatement. Here's Pastor Ed Taylor with our study. Notice verse 3 now back in John 20. Peter therefore went out and the other disciple and were going to the tomb. So check this out in verse 4. So they ran together and the other disciple outran Peter and came to the tomb first. And so John not only is loved by Jesus, but he beat Peter (laughs) to the tomb. And I wonder how how many times they have reenacted this race in heaven. And John just lets Peter win. Just, okay, man, you can win. We're even. But that little competitive, it it, it is, not only is it John, you know, we don't really know the motive of John, but I find it interesting that the Holy Spirit inspired John to write this. But, But it does tell us the urgency of where they're at. They didn't walk, they didn't stroll, they didn't say they'll take care of it after lunch. Man, when they got word, they took off. They're unbelieving, but they still took off. And maybe there was a little competitive race or it was just the sake of one beat the other. But here they are and they come to verse 5. They, and he, this is speaking of John, stooping down, looking in, saw the linen cloths lying there, but he didn't go in. Then Peter came, following him, went into the tomb and he saw the cloths, linen cloths lying there and the handkerchief that had been around his head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded together in a place by itself. Verse 8. Then the other disciple, John, who came to the tomb first, we know that John, went in also, and he saw and believed. Now, if you'd like to write in your Bibles, I want to draw something out for you here that's very fascinating. And, and you'll notice as we read through that the word saw is used three times. Now, in the English language, we see the word saw, and we think it's the same word. You see something. But in the original language of the New Testament, And it's always important for us to remember that the Bible was not written in English. Do you know that? The Bible was not written in English. Even though we have an English translation that accurately represents the original documents, the Bible wasn't written. It didn't start in English. In the New Testament, now those of you guys that know this, answer me out loud. In the New Testament, the original language was Greek. Now, if you didn't know that, I'm going to let you know now. So now you can answer from now on. The New Testament was written in the original language of the first century in Koine, or common Greek, the common language of the day. They spoke Greek. The Old Testament, for those of you that are Bible students, the Old Testament original language is Hebrew for the most part. There's a couple sections in Aramaic, but mostly Hebrew. So sometimes it's very important for us, especially those of us that teach the Bible, to go back and look at the original language. 
Because in the original language, you might pick something up. And I want to show you this. So come back with me, and we're going to look at each instance of the word saw, and we're going to learn something. So notice with me in verse 5, circle the word saw. Let's see if it's 5. He's stooping down, looking in. Saw. Circle that word. It's the Greek word blepo. B-E-L-P-O. And it's a word that means to observe and to glance at. So here, the very first step was just glancing within the tomb. Then secondly, in verse 6, Peter comes. He goes into the tomb and he saw. It's a completely different word. Circle that word and right next to it, thereo. T-H-E-O-R-E-O. Different word, different meaning. So they went from just quickly looking, secondly, to look in and to observe. So he looked and he thought about it. The third use in verse 8, in verse 8 it says, the other disciple who came to the tomb first went in also and he saw, it's a third different Greek word. This is the Greek word aido, E-I-D-O. I might be pronouncing it wrong, but it's spelled E-I-D-O and it means to see with understanding and to grasp the situation. And so you say, Pastor, why are you pointing this out? Well, I'm pointing it out because I think in the scriptures, God is reminding us that in our lives, there is a progression of faith in our lives. We go from, we go from in our lives just kind of seeing and checking it out to the point where we see and we observe and really think about it to finally coming to the place where we see and believe and it moves us to action. There's a progression of faith in our lives, just like you see a progression of faith. So what that will do for you is it, it shouldn't, you, you, you will, it'll take away from you and me the discouragement that someone else is farther ahead from us and we're still right here. Why? Because you're right here because that's where God has you right now and they're right here and a little bit of far advance from you because they're progressing in their faith. And so you will progress too if you want to. You'll progress in your relationship with Jesus too if you want to. I mean, if you don't want to, then you'll just stay a churchgoer. That's, you'll just stay a person that kind of comes to church every once in a while or, or maybe doesn't even come to church and just turns on the internet every once in a while because you're hungry. You're at the place of you want to look, you want to check out, but you're not ready or you're not desirous. Or you might be in that place where you take the next step and you're thinking about it right now. Or you could be at that place where God is grasping your heart to follow you. I think of, you can jot it down in Mark's gospel, chapter 8. Well, let's turn there. Let's turn there. We have some time. Let's turn to Mark chapter 8. This is an interesting miracle that also gives us insight on progression. On progression. It's a, it's a miracle of Jesus healing a blind man. Mark chapter 8, verse 22. Notice this. And he came, speaking of Jesus, to Bethsaida, and they brought a blind man to him and begged him to touch him. So he took the blind man by the hand, led him out of town, and when he spit on his eyes and put his hands on him, he asked him if he saw anything. And he looked up and said, I see men like trees walking. And he put his hands on his eyes again and made him look up. And he was restored and saw everyone clearly. And he sent him away to his house saying, neither go into this town nor tell anyone in the town. This is an interesting miracle for a couple reasons. One is the method that Jesus used to heal this man. Now, you have to, if, if you really want to grasp some of the insights of the Bible, you really have to grasp what's happening here. So I'm going to try, I'm going to try to bring that to you and to bring that to us right now. And I'm going to ask you, close your eyes. 
Close your eyes right now. Close your eyes. Even those of you that refuse to, close your eyes. My eyes are closed, but I know you're not. So close your eyes and just pretend that right now in this moment you can't see and you hear a commotion. Jesus comes up and he says, he comes to you and he says, do you want to be healed? And you say, yes. And there you are. You're being walked out of town. There's probably not any, keep your eyes closed. Keep your eyes closed. This is all happening. We can't see. We have our eyes closed and Jesus taken out and he's ready. And, and as you're there and you're anticipating what is going on, this is so different. <laughs> exactly. Maybe not that dramatic, but there's those rides at Disneyland where they have, you're in that room and it, they get it all dark and in the front, you can open your eyes now, by the way, you're healed. You're healed. You have it in the front of the chairs where part of the, part of the uh, activity, they have water squirting at you. And I, that would have been nice to get chairs like that for this, but it's, you get it. Right away, he can't see and, and there's a sound of spitting in his face. And then he touches his hand, touches his face. And he says, what do you see? Now, this is God who has the power to heal. And the next thing out of the, out of the blind man's mouth isn't, I can see everything. He says, I can sort of see. Things are blurry. I kind of like see people like trees, you know, moving around. Then he lays his hand on him again, and then he's healed. It was progressive. Like, like God was working in his life, drawing faith out from him, with his, first he couldn't see at all, then he could partially see, and then he could completely see. And life is like that in our relationship with God. There's a stages in our lives. Since I moved to Colorado, I've really adopted this mentality of seasons. There's seasons in life. There's seasons, and we might call them stages, but there's seasons in life. And, and one of the most profound seasons in life is winter, winter. Some of you are in a winter right now where everything seems dormant, and, and, it's, and it's cold, and it's difficult, and it's hard. But everyone, all of you know, man, if you're in winter, you can't wait for spring, man. I, I'm, it's not even winter yet right now, and I'm still, I want spring already. And, and you're in a winter season spiritually right now. You're looking for spring. You want the, the grass to turn green again. You want leaves on the trees again. You, you're looking to get out of this season. And what happens? Seasons come, and seasons go. There's a progressiveness. Now, you might be what you think is a perpetually season of spring where everything's green and the birds are chirping. But the reality is, is that spring comes and goes as well. And we all go through seasons and stages in life and in spiritual growth. And coming back to John 20, you see it progressing in how they're approaching the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's, it's seasons. They're not getting it. Because notice... Again, as we close in verse 9, in verse 9 it says they're seeing, they're observing, they even have a form of belief, but in verse 9 they didn't know the Scripture. For as yet they didn't know the Scripture that he must, not that he will, but that he must. Why must he rise again? Because it was prophesied and predicted by God and that he must rise again from the dead. And the disciples went away again to their own houses. John believed, but he didn't quite understand what the Bible said. He didn't quite understand really what the living word Jesus taught him. He didn't quite understand. He didn't yet know the scripture, and it's too bad. So you can take this in two ways. Um, some among us, you just don't know the scripture. You don't understand it yet. You just don't understand it. You're in that progress where God is still going to bring understanding into your life. But there's a whole different way 
of looking at this, and that is so many don't understand the scriptures today because the scriptures aren't being taught. And that's a problem. That's a significant problem in the body of Christ. It's been a significant problem among the people of God dating back into the Old Testament, dating back to where God declares there's a famine in the land, a famine for the word of God. There's a famine in churches today. There's a famine in homes today. There's a famine in your life today for some of you. And it's too bad that many today, this scripture would describe them, they don't know the scriptures, so they are unable to understand them. And a lot of it just stems from the leadership of churches around the world, not focusing people on what's important. And what's important is what the Bible has to say and how it applies to your life. Like the Bible has the answers to the things that are heavy on your heart. God has an answer for you. He has a direction for your life. He has strength and hope. It's not going to be in the textbooks, and it's not going to be in the opinions of man, and it's not going to be in the ups and downs of the stock market or where your 401k might be, or it's not in those things for direction of life. It's the Word of God, the living Word of God that's powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. And it's just unfortunate today in a real way. I've been here in Colorado pastoring now for 18 years. I pastor another three or four in California, and I've just seen this over and over and over again, a lack of taking people to the Word of God for the answer in their lives. Now, don't misunderstand me. There's many churches that teach from the Bible. They sort of use it, and they'll take a verse and a scripture here and then launch off into something that will keep people entertained for 30 or 40 minutes. And then you can leave going, well, but, but I'm in a church that uses the Bible. Well, praise God. Don't be in a church that doesn't use a Bible at all. All right? So I'd rather have you in a church that at least uses a scripture than no scripture at all. But, but, it, but being in a, in a and, and for us, so, so let's talk about us for a second. You know, forget out there. Let's talk about us. Just because we go through the Bible doesn't mean that you're taking the Bible and living it. You know, I'm thinking back in 18 years, I probably have shared, man, who knows, 1,000, 1,500 Bible studies here. But it doesn't really matter what I've taught. It matters what you've learned from the scriptures and applied it in your life. Because if you happen to be in a place, and again, recognizing the study goes out outside of these walls, out into on the radio and such around the country. I, I realize this, that it may not apply to you necessarily, but maybe you're visiting today for the first time. You go, man, what do you guys do here? I'll tell you what we do. We go through the Bible verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book. And yes, unfortunately or fortunately, it takes us a long time to finish a book. So I was thinking today, this is study 100. You guys got the 100th study in the Gospel of John. And we probably could have done it in 30 or 40, but we did it in 100. And there's still more to come. We're not done yet. Uh, we still got two more chapters. And we teach through the Bible. And I hope by teaching through the Bible that all the time that we teach through the Bible, that it, you, you get it somewhere along the way. And you adopt it into you and adapt it into your own life that the Bible is a source of your answers. That, that you really actually don't even need me because the Holy Spirit is a better teacher than I am any day of the week every day of the week. He's the true teacher. That you don't really leave here and go, oh, what a great message. But you leave here saying, oh, what a great God that's given me, that loves me and loves my family and answered the question on my heart, answered the issue in my life, has given me direction. You, you can't live on cotton candy, you know? I mean, you might think you can, but you can't. You can't live on cotton candy. 
You know, the idea that, that you can just have a few things that taste good from the Bible and, oh, Ed, just give me the things that taste good. Give me the things that taste good. Believe me, I'm into things that taste good. We just went to Estes Park recently. And first of all, it was packed on last Monday because it was Rocky Mountain National Park Day or something. And it was packed, but that was good because every store was open. And what I've learned when every store is open is that there's a lot of stores selling taffy. And those stores all have a bowl that says free sample. And I'm into free samples. And so I went around and I got a free sample and I asked Caitlin to get a free sample because she didn't want it. I said, well, to get it and then give it to me because I'll take it. <laughs> and at one of the stores, she said, well, dad, why don't you just go in and get two? And I said, because technically I don't want to sin. So you get yours <laughs> and then give it to me because who knows, this might be a Bible. No, I said, just, just go get it. And she got it and gave it. So I'm taking hers, and we're going store to store. I'm eating hers. I'm eating mine. Sometimes Marie would get one, and I'm eating her. And it's so good. It tasted so good. We did the whole loop. And then we stopped at our favorite candy shop there that makes amazing homemade caramel. Amazing. So, of course, we got to get the regular caramel, the salted caramel. And then I asked for an extra one when Marie's there. I said, can you give me one of these too? Because it's salted, milk chocolate covered caramel. And so she came out with the box. What did I do? Well, I'm done with taffy. It's caramel time. And so I took the one that I took for me and I took the chocolate one. And listen, by the way, if you need help on how to eat salted caramel, you eat it salt upside down on your tongue. And that's what I did. So I put it in. I'm eating it. Mmm, nice. I finished the chocolate one. Then I went back into the box and I got a salted one. And I'm taking it. And it's like, so good. It was so good. It was so good. Because I haven't eaten that much candy in a long time, right? We have guests over that evening. So we got to run back home, get things done, clean house, get the food ready. Because we're going to have guests there. And guess what happened? My tummy was aching all night. I wasn't the best of hosts. I wasn't because my stomach was killing me because of that beautiful, wonderful caramel that was made and all the free samples. May I say with that illustration that there's a lot of people naming the name of Christ that are belly aching in life because they're not eating the right stuff spiritually. They're not taking in and unfortunately, a lot of that stems from the leadership in churches that are more interested in other things than getting the word of God into people's lives. And I realize sometimes I have to share very difficult things. This is a difficult thing. Some of you are not even happy that I'm sharing this because it's convicting to you. Because your devotional life is just not where it needs to be. And I don't mean sitting down five minutes reading the Bible. I mean your love relationship with God who loves you. The mindset of the consciousness of God in your life. It's not where it needs to be. And so now you're here sitting in church. I mean, think about, think about what God has called us to do. How many of us, other than church, show up, actually get up early, take a shower, get ready, get the family ready, purposely go somewhere where the odds are we're going to hear something about our lives that we need to improve? We don't normally live our lives like that. But God, who loves us so much, is going to speak into our lives the areas that we need to improve. He's going to put his finger on different things. Some of you, even within a church that, I mean, our, our view of providing to you the word of God, our view, my view, is that I don't provide to you cotton candy, although maybe a little bit of dessert here and there might be good, but that you, you get a well-rounded meal from the Bible. When I sit down to study, I think 
about the different stages of life that you're in and, and put together a well-rounded meal. Now, we used to say, I used to say in the day, you know, a nice big steak there, but I know so many people are vegan and vegetarian now, so whatever soy bean steak, whatever it is for you, you put, fill in the blanks, but something that's going to be nourishing to you that you really want, and the little mashed potatoes there, and, and that, you know, that's good. And then, and then there's got to be the Brussels sprouts, the nasty little fake cabbages <laughs> that people say are good. People, I'll get emails today, Ed, if you put enough butter on, listen, if you put enough butter on anything, it's going to taste good. But, but I got to give you that thing where you even look at it and you're like, oh, what is this? What is this? And you kind of push it off the table. Let the dog, and the dog doesn't even want it. The dog's pushing it under. I don't like this. And get look up at you. What are you doing? I want your steak, man. <laughs> So as we end our time today meditating on the Lord, I just, I, I want you to know whether you call the office here and you ask for help, whether you show up in a small group, whether you come here on a weekend or you show up on a Wednesday, we don't have anything for you but God's word. We don't have anything for you. Our opinions don't matter. Our, our personalities don't matter. Y what you need is not a diet of cotton candy, man. Because then you're just going to be sore all the time. And you're going to have no strength and discouragement's going to be your friend, unfortunately, when it's really our enemy. And the disciples here, they're just not there yet. Although they will be. That's the good news. But as we leave verse 9, verse 10, they're not there yet. Just like you might not be there yet. You're thinking, you're understanding, you're grasping, but you're not there yet. And the good news is that God is patient with us. He loves us. He loves to serve us. And he wants to. This is Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. He's leading a study from the Gospel of John. You can find our studies online at AboundingGraceRadio.com. And they're accessible through our app, too. Do a search for Ed Taylor in the App Store or Google Play. And look for us on Apple Podcasts. Here in the month of December, we picked out a timely resource we think you'll enjoy and get a lot out of. It would even make for a great Christmas gift. It's called The Case for Christmas. So who was in that manger the first Christmas morning? Not everyone agrees on the answer to that. If he was the divine son of God, how do you know for sure? Well, Lee Strobel investigates in The Case for Christmas, and we'll send it to you when you support Abounding Grace with a gift of $25 or more today. Please make your request by phone at 877-30-GRACE or order it online at calvaryco.store. Also, remember that it's through your support that we're able to bring Abounding Grace to the radio every day. With your help, countless thousands of people are hearing the truth of God's Word all over the nation and the world at a time in human history when they really need to hear it too. We can be reached toll-free at 877-30-GRACE, or you can make a donation online at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Pastor Ed, it's always so exciting when Christmas falls on a Sunday like it does this year. Tell our listeners what we have planned for this weekend at Calvary Church. Well, Larry, this weekend is a special weekend. I mean, we already have weekend services here at Calvary, but we have added services. On Saturday, we're here at 2, 4, and 6 p.m. On Sunday morning, we'll be here for our regular services, 8.45 and 10.45 a.m. 
And you're right, it is a special gift to celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ on the first day of the week. Do you know that's when the early church worshipped the most? I mean, we worship every day, right? But on the first day of the week, they gathered so they could start their week looking back at what God has done, but also looking forward of what God will do. And so come on out. We're going to have a special time, special music, uh, a message on the gospel of Jesus Christ, his birth, and it's going to be great. We're so excited. And we I love the, the buildings all decorated and everybody's excited and dressed up. And as I mentioned earlier, don't make fun of people when this is the only time they come to church. Don't make don't fall into that trap. Don't make fun of people, but be excited that they'd be willing to come to church, that they want to be there. And, and I know this, if you join us from afar, you can all these services will be streamed online at calvaryco.church, or you're going to be here in person. We will not make fun of you. We will encourage you, love you, serve you well. To get more information or to watch the live stream, log on to calvaryco.church. We're going to be taking a brief break from our study of John in order to bring you a special Christmas message, and we'll have that for you tomorrow on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. See you then. This is amazing grace. This is Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.